Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the preseason is almost over. One game left to go. Next week, it will be the regular season. It will be more Packers Unscripted more often. But before we get to that, we do have one preseason game remaining against the Kansas City Chiefs Thursday night at Lambeau Field, after which the Packers will trim the roster to 53 players, also build a 10-player practice squad over the weekend. As we head into this, we know the starters are not going to play against the Chiefs. The vast majority of your regulars are, are going to be on the sidelines. So who are some of the guys to watch for, to keep an eye on here as the preseason wraps up? Well, it's really interesting, Mike, because I know some people, when you look at the final preseason game, there's some trepidation. There's people that get anxious. They just want to get to that opener. I personally, and this is just maybe my own personality coming out, but this is, to me, the most compelling week of the entire season, probably other than if you get to the playoffs or a week 17 <laughs> down the line kind of matchup. And the reason is is because you have 90 players on this roster right now. 53 will be on the roster going into Chicago. 46 are going to play. That's almost less than, you know, almost half. Right. So the stakes are so high. And the NFL, there's no minor leagues. That's an affiliate. You're either in or you're out or you're on a practice squad. So yeah. seeing who steps up in these circumstances is always the most compelling thing to me. Now beyond that, I have to go back to the wide receivers um, just because it's been such a tight-knit competition from beginning to end. So I look at a guy like Darius Shepard trying to make his final statement of this preseason. I, I look at, you know, if Alan Lazard doesn't play, that maybe means more reps for Jamon Moore trying to still sure. state his case to be on this roster. If Jake Kumaro plays, see if he can make a couple more catches here and there. I think we're going to see all three of these quarterbacks, the backup quarterbacks, Deshaun Kaiser, Tim Boyle, and Manny Wilkins, seeing which receiver that they can develop a rapport with and kind of get some momentum built. That position for me, Mike, the receiver spot, has been the, the one I've followed this entire camp, and I'm excited to see how it finishes out on Thursday night. Yeah, and I think the one that a lot of people are going to have their eye on, you mentioned it, or the backup quarterback right. spot. Deshaun Kaiser, Tim Boyle, Manny Wilkins. Tim Boyle made as strong a statement as he could in Winnipeg that he should be the number two quarterback on this roster. We don't know if the Packers are going to keep two or if they're going to keep three. That's another decision that will have to be made over the weekend. Deshaun Kaiser brought up with reporters. He's perfectly aware of the situation. He knows this is his first time of his three years in the NFL that he's going into the final preseason game and he doesn't actually have a roster spot right. locked up. He has to convince the brass so to speak that he should be on this 53-man roster so it's a different circumstance a different situation for him as well I'm not sure Matt LaFleur did not reveal this week with reporters who's going to start the game whether it's going to be Boyle whether it's going to be Kaiser my guess is that it's going to be Kaiser because Boyle got the start last week I think he probably goes back to Kaiser for this one. But regardless, if you're Kaiser, you you need to state your case. If you're Boyle, you need to follow up what you did in Winnipeg yeah. and show that that one really, really good quarter of football was not just some flash in the pan. It's a great point. And the thing that stands out to me most about this position in particular is 
Brian Gutekunst talked a little bit about it when he was addressing the media on Tuesday and saying that, you know, there's always times where, you know, guys are going to surprise you. Matt LaFleur touched on it too, and, you know, a guy jumps off the page and makes the roster. Quarterback to me is the position that perfectly encapsulates that. In my time on the beat, I've seen guys win their job in that last preseason game. <laughs> Graham Harrell did it. I think you look at Scott Tolzien solidified himself in some of those matchups. Brett Hundley did it a few times as well. Sure. And then you also saw a guy like Vince Young who looked poised to be that number two quarterback. Things kind of fell apart in the preseason finale against Kansas City in 2013, and he was cut. So for Kaiser and Boyle, Boyle said it perfectly. I mean, there can be no let-up. He doesn't care what his passer rating is. He doesn't really care about what's going to happen this weekend. He has one thing that he controls, and that's how he performs in this game on Thursday. And for Kaiser, you were in the huddle with him this week. I mean, he understands the sense of urgency that goes along with this. As the media huddle, by the way, not the, the me- huddle on the yes, field. Yes, not the huddle <laughs> on the field. Just to clarify. <laughs> but he's a smart guy. He knows what happened last week. He knows he needs to be able to come out and and turn that around and kind of rebuild some of that momentum and show that he is the quarterback that the Packers traded for last year. And then lastly, Manny Wilkins, I'm sure, is kind of champing at the bit right now, hoping to get an opportunity as well. I mean, his his chances have been kind of, you know, limited here uh, yeah. due to the competition between Boyle and Kaiser. So, right. yeah, I, I think that all three of those guys are going to have a chance to ball out, and, and whoever comes out of that, you know, most likely is going to be on this roster in a couple days. Yeah, and those quarterbacks are going to have a different voice in their helmet uh, as far as the play calling goes on Thursday night because Matt LaFleur told reporters he's stepping back from the play calling for this final preseason game, which is a, a common practice amongst head coaches who are play callers. They like to, in that final preseason game, take a little bit broader view, a different, get a different perspective during a game of their team. Matt LaFleur saying he wants to see just how the whole operation is going, how the communication is working between players, between coaches, from players to coaches and all of that. So he's handing off the play-calling duties to quarterbacks coach Luke Getze for this game, and he specified he didn't choose offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett simply because Hackett has called plays in NFL games before. So this is an opportunity to for Getze to spread his wings a little bit, get his feet wet in um, a new coaching duty. So there'll be that dynamic as well. The quarterback's position coach is yeah, going to be the one there, calling yeah. the plays in the helmet, but a lot of NFL coaches do this, and Matt LaFleur even said two years ago when he was Sean McVay's offensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams, but McVay was the play caller, that for two of the preseason games, McVay handed off the play calling to him. So that's how he got started with learning that whole aspect of things. So a neat opportunity for Luke Getze, but also uh, uh, for Matt LaFleur as a first-time head coach to step back a little bit and just see, really get a look at what he's built over the last few months and where his team is before those roster decisions are made. And that's an important word you threw in there, Mike, team. Uh, This is the first time that Matt LaFleur has been responsible for the entire operation, offense, defense, and special teams. So one of the reasons I always liked this when Mike McCarthy would do it and he would usually hand the reins to the offensive coordinator is it not only allows him to look at the skill position players and the offensive line, but it gives him a chance to take a look at the defense. And as much as you and I were just talking about the position battles on the offensive side of the ball, the stakes are even higher defensively with, you know, the cornerback position, inside linebacker. There, there's so many different spots that, that guys want to prove themselves, and Matt LaFleur wants to get an eye on those guys as well. For Getze's perspective, this is incredibly valuable for him to have this opportunity because he is a quarterback at heart, and obviously he has the rapport that he does with these guys in the quarterback room, 
but the fact that now he's going to be able to actually be in their headset, go through these plays that he's been installing with them for the last couple months. Sure. I, I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic, and I'm sure the quarterbacks are looking forward to being able to have that sort of take on things as well. Yeah, well, a couple other positions I want to talk about. You mentioned one of them, inside linebacker, because there's some uncertainty here. Oren Burks, it sounds like his injury is not necessarily long-term, yet there isn't a specific timetable on exactly when he's going to be back from that chest injury. We haven't really gotten any kind of definitive update on Curtis Bolton and what's going on there So with his knee. So you have Ty Summers, the seventh-round pick. You have James Crawford, the special teams ace. You have Brady Sheldon. It's a really interesting mix of guys, and you don't know who all is going to make this roster and who isn't because out of this bunch, I thought, Crawford had the best spring through the OTAs. We, we've seen Ty Summers come along and really show up in the preseason games, but now Brady Sheldon in this last yeah. preseason game also showed up, and now he's got something to build on here going into the fourth one. So I'm not sure how this inside linebacker position is necessarily going to shake out, and the injuries will factor into it. But uh, the Packers are going to be taking a close look, I think, at all three of these guys in this final preseason game. They are, and it's not even really, to me, about even that second inside linebacker spot right now, the guy that's in with Blake Martinez in first and, downs, first and second down situations. To me, Mike, it's the Packers trying to identify, okay, knock on wood, Blake Martinez plays every single snap you want him to this season, but do you have somebody on this roster that can handle that job, can handle those responsibilities, be in the communicator, in that inside linebacker room. I think that's the task that Ty Summers, James Crawford, and Brady Shelton have to step up to right now because yeah. without Martinez being in this game, they're probably all going to get an opportunity here or there to lead their respective units. Who's going to step up to that challenge? I really liked how Ty Summers responded last week. He had a rough outing against Baltimore. Yeah. There were some issues that he had late in the game against Houston, but he came out, he had 10 tackles. Nobody else on the defense had more than four basically played the entire game due to some of the situations they fell into. Your heart hurts for Curtis Bolton. You hope he gets another opportunity here to showcase what he's doing because he got off to a really good start. But the fact of the matter is the Packers have a game to play now in a, in a week, and they need somebody that's going to be able to step into that role. Ty Summers, Brady Shelton, and James Crawford have to show in this game that they can be accountable and do that and not make the, Packer, the Packers think about that waiver wire this weekend. Yeah, and another spot, getting back to the offensive side for a minute here before we move on, Wes, at the running back position. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, both of those guys are going to go into the regular season without having carried the ball in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, Jones not playing, and I actually asked Matt LaFleur in one of his press conferences this week about Jamal Williams because of all the time he had missed during camp. Is he going to, you know, get him into a game here before the preseason's out? And he's and he said, no, they don't really have any plans to play Jamal Williams either. So, how is how does this, uh, you know, settle itself with the third running back spot? You've got Dexter Williams, the sixth round pick out of Notre Dame. You've also got Trey Carson, who has carried quite a bit of the load here in the preseason with Danny Vitale presumably on this roster with the way we've seen Matt LaFleur in this offense want to use the fullback and with what Vitali has done even though he missed some time in camp with an injury with what he's done on the practice field if Danny Vitali is on this team and if you're keeping upwards of potentially four tight ends I'm not sure you can keep more than three traditional yeah. running backs which means between Dexter Williams and Trey Carson 
who are the guys really kind of in the running for the number three spot, one of them has to go. I, I agree uh, because the Packers, that was one of the things last year is that they were able to go a little deeper on tight end. They were able to go a little bit more at running back because they didn't have a fullback. Right. They didn't carry one through the final cut. So uh, Vitaly, the one thing you really like about having Vitaly too is that he can give you a guy that potentially could play on third downs, could be accountable in pass protection, and also really flash as a pass catcher as long as he's healthy. He's got that all-around skill set I think for he sure. has a skill set that you really want from the fullback position in 2019. That being said, I think last year and the past couple seasons have proven why you need a number three running back as well. Uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, their opportunities as rookies came from being the guys that were sort of working their way up the depth chart. Yep. So, yeah, Dexter Williams has flashed as a runner. I really think he's very instinctive. I love what he does between the tackles, but there's been some drops and there's been some pass protection issues. Trey Carson is sort of the antithesis of that. I mean, he's been the guy that's been really strong in terms of what he's done as a pass protector, but the yardage and, and yards per carry aren't really, um, you know, maybe what jump off the page to you. So those two guys are in, you know, they're going to be running this thing right down to the wire. And don't forget about Keith Ford, too. This is a guy who played in the NFL last season. You're right. And if he has a couple big carries in this game, that's going to make the Packers think about that as well. So it is, it's going to be a really interesting battle to see all three of those guys and what they potentially could do in this ballgame. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to what's going to be happening this weekend at 1265 here, Wes, Select Cousin Sub's locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, so the final preseason game will end somewhere in the neighborhood of 10.30 p.m. on Thursday night. You promise? I'll try. I'll try (laughs) to make sure that happens. Between then and Thursday, Three o'clock central time on Saturday, the Packers will have to trim their roster to 53 players. Now, this can happen a number of different ways. And what I mean by that is there are guys who are hurt who could go on injured reserve. That trims a roster spot. There will obviously be guys who are released. There's always a chance you could see some trades for a a draft pick or something like that. All those kinds of things could happen, but it all has to happen by 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon because the Packers have to be at 53. And presumably you're going to see two players, Greg Roberts and Ibrahim Campbell, go on PUP to start the season Yes, that's the other, yeah. It's going to be just a... uh, a myriad of all these different things happening that the Packers are going to have to sort through. It was interesting, though, because I went through the locker room and I talked to a couple guys this week about what that experience has been like. Robert Tanyan, I thought, was one of the guys I really wanted to go to because his first two seasons, he got cut by the Detroit Lions, right. and then he ended up making the Packers roster in back-to-back years. There are actually are very few of those guys in the locker room, if you really think about it. Tremont Williams is one of them, guys that have been on both sides of that equation. And it's just so – one of the, when I opened the show talking about why this is such a compelling time of the year for me, it's so interesting listening to what that day is like for people. And in 2019, everybody wants to be on their phones. Everybody wants to be connected. Most of these guys are completely withdrawn. Tyler Lancaster spent his morning the day he got cut last year in the weight room at Lambeau Field, eating breakfast just around the facilities, doing everything he could to keep his mind off things until he ended up getting the bad news. Robert Tanyan and Jake Kumaro, they went to a driving range. They played video games and waited out the entire day until both of them realized that they had made the team. (laughs) So it's just, it's one of these things that you put all your focus, like I said with Tim Boyle, everything is on this game on Thursday night. But as soon as it ends, there's sort of this adrenaline dump and now you're just kind of waiting to see exactly yeah. what's going to happen. And to throw one more wrinkle into that equation, 
Packers have a game to prepare for on Thursday. So it's going to be cut your team and then, you know, you're running 120 miles per hour towards the Bears. Yeah, with the shortened week with the Packers opening the season against the Bears in Chicago on next Thursday, everything gets compressed. And the other part that will be happening over the weekend while – the bulk of the team is going to start its practice week on Sunday to prepare for the trip to Chicago. You have, I believe it's a 20-hour waiver period from that 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon until 11 a.m. Central Time on Sunday morning that all players who are not vested veterans who have been released are on the waiver wire. Teams can make waiver claims, and the claim order is essentially the same as the draft order. So the Packers are 12th in the waiver claim order, just as they had the number 12 overall pick in the draft. And that's the other thing that can factor in here, Wes, is that guys can make the team on Saturday, but then if the Packers claim somebody and then they are awarded that claim, that player has to go on the 53-man roster and then somebody else has to go. So a player can make the team on Saturday and then find out on Sunday that they aren't on the team. Then what happens after that is after 11 a.m. on Sunday, then you can start signing guys to practice squad contracts, and you can build up to a 10-player practice squad, two of the veteran exemptions that are allowed on the practice squad. So there, there are going to be a lot of – What's that? It's four. The Packers is just it, never go Is it four now? Okay, because yeah. originally it was, it was two. It was two and now, yeah. Okay, so now they've increased it. See, I learned something. Not to here. interrupt you. but yeah, No, that's gonna, okay. Yeah. But there will be a lot of roster machinations and everything going on over the weekend at the same time that the team is going to start preparing for this trip to Chicago. It's going to be a total cluster. And the one thing that's nice for the Packers is the Bears are going to be going through the exact same thing. Right. It does make you wonder. For the most part, the Packers filled their practice squad with guys that were with them in camp. They'll bring in a few guys here and there. I think this year, more than any other, it's probably going to be really important to be able to keep as many in-house guys as you can so they know the system, so they can get right into practice on Sunday and not let there be any kind of you know letdown. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting, too, about this particular year, you're absolutely right, that is one of the most heartbreaking things about the 53 is the guys that lose their jobs the next day. It happened to B.J. Coleman in 2013. He ends up being the number two quarterback for a day, and then they went and signed Seneca Wallace, and then he was let go. Miles White in 2015 finally made the initial roster on his third try, yeah. and then James Jones comes in. The one thing that is nice, though, with it isn't nice because I'm sure Brian Gutekunst would rather just be able to designate players right now. But you know, you're probably you know maybe going to carry through a guy like Equinemius St. Brown through the final cuts, and then you can put him on IR. You can designate him a return. That's just an example. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, depending on what the timeline is with Oren Burks. So there is one thing that if you do claim a player, that's another thing you could potentially do is moving those guys to IR and have them designated to return and, and having that flexibility. Right, and as we know, it's it's the nature of the beast, but the way the injury situation and, as you say, the designated to return, the guys that aren't necessarily out for the entire season but the Packers want to keep them, have a chance to get them back on the field in October or November, that all plays into these roster decisions and the waiver claims and who – maybe ultimately ends up on the practice squad as opposed to the 53 because a guy can be on the 53. Then he gets waived, but then if he clears waivers, maybe they want to bring him back to the practice squad. So there's all kinds of things that are going to be going on over the weekend. And uh, um, But at the same time, the personnel department is dealing with all that. The coaching staff 
and Aaron Rodgers and company, so to speak, are going to be dealing with, hey, got three days of practice, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and that plane leaves for Chicago on Wednesday. And it, that's the number one thing that I'm excited about with this whole thing is that all the focus is going to be on that matchup, that game, and all those guys trying to make the roster – and once they figure out that 53-man roster, a lot of those guys on the bubble, well, then they move to the background, and everything's on Aaron Rodgers and these starters yep. that we haven't seen this preseason. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exhilarating. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I mean, you want to talk about the most anticipatory, you know, seven, eight days that you're going to have all season. Um, this is going to be quite the turnaround. But as Matt LaFleur also mentioned, the fact that they were able to go on a normal schedule and have Thursday after Thursday after Thursday games, he feels like that sets him up pretty well for being able to get in a remotely normal schedule then going into that game against Chicago. Yeah, then you get to at least take a little bit of a breath for a couple days after a Thursday night opener before, guess what, the Minnesota Vikings are coming to Lambeau in week two, so no rest for the weary. And we're off and running. All right, well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of all the roster decisions and the 53-man roster, everything like that, on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you will. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.